Hey, this is Jeremy Isaacs, lead pastor of Generations Church, where we want to live like it matters. For more information about our church, you can visit us at g.church. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Thanks again for listening. How are we doing? We good? I'm going to make you do it one more time because you're out of practice and I'm not sure if you're asleep or awake. How are we doing? We good? If you were watching online right there and you didn't woohoo, you missed a great opportunity to woohoo. So I'm going to give everybody one more chance, even in your homes, if you're watching today, if you're in the room, how are we doing today? We good? Hey, there we go. There we go. I need your energy. I've said it a lot before, but the louder you are, the more engaged you are, the more you talk back, the shorter I go. Okay. So that's me. Um, but I will say to you, like, if, if I don't think it's connecting and I'm not really sure if you're listening, then I'm just going to circle the wagons for a while. Just like eventually this is going to connect. All right. So let me know that you got it and you're with me. Uh, at any point, and I'm totally fine with that. Hey, we're glad that you're here today. You heard a lot of great things, and uh, you sounded great. I actually hopped onto our Facebook stream just a minute ago. I wasn't the only person on Facebook in the room, but um, no guilt or condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But I was right over here, and I just hopped on our Facebook stream today and said, hey, man, it sounds great in the room. I hope it sounds great wherever you're singing from to those that are watching online. So thanks to those that are watching today online. We're glad that you're joining us. Today's a great day. You heard Pastor Trevor mention it just a minute ago, but uh, the reason that it's a great day— other than the fact that we're getting to worship together, is that we are launching our G groups for the fall semester. And I'm excited about that because groups has always been a huge part of what we do as a church. It always has been. And what we've said for a long time is that for us as a church, we are not a church with groups. We're a church of groups. And there is a difference. Like, it's not just that we have some groups in our church and it's like, oh, this is, this is what we do. And then, you know, every now and then on Tuesday or Friday or, you know, online or the softball team shows up or whatever, like we just get these other random smaller groups of people that kind of hang out for a little bit. We are a church made up of groups and then those groups gather together on Sunday mornings in settings like this. And so we want you to be in a group. And this is a great semester of groups we already have planned. Uh, I think we have somewhere between 24 and 25 different group options for you this semester. Um, You're going to hear a lot more about them over the next few weeks as you kind of go online and you see some of the information. But we have some groups for in-person, face-to-face. If if you're kind of jumping in, you're ready to be face-to-face with people, whether you're here on Sunday morning or even watching online, but you're kind of cool with a small smaller group, then we've got some of those groups. We've got groups that meet on campus and those that meet off campus in homes or in restaurants. We've got some indoor groups. We've got some outdoor groups. We've got some online groups. We have several options this semester for women. We've got a couple options for men. We've got youth groups. We've got kids groups. And so there is no reason for you not to be in a group. Can I get an amen from that? Okay, so some of you still aren't with me. That's all right. You're going to wake up here in a second. I'm going to force it out of you. There's no reason for you not to be in a group this semester. We would love for you to be in a group. One of my favorite groups this semester, um, other than my own, which I'm going to talk about in a second, um, is that we're we're launching Financial Peace University this semester. And so on Wednesday nights here at the church in the lobby, Pastor Trevor and Lauren Hyman, he's our administrative pastor here at Generations Church, they're going to launch uh, this group meeting together as we talk about money and as we talk about finances. And so if you you've ever thought about money, if you've ever thought, man, I wish I'd have handled my money a little better, or I'm not really sure how I should manage my money in the way that God designed or intended for me to do that. It's not going to be a hard sell. The whole thing is not, hey, give all your money to the church. That's not what this group is about. But we really want something for you more than we want something from you. And so we'd love for you to jump on to our website. You can go to g.church slash groups and see all of the groups. And one of those options is Financial Peace University. So we'd love for you to be a part of that. And then Corey 
Corey and I are also hosting two different online groups on Wednesday nights, two different book studies. I'm, uh, I'm hosting one called Dangerous Prayers uh, because really following God is never meant to be safe. And so that was written by Pastor Craig Rochelle, a great book. We'd love for you to be a part of that. Corey's got a, a great study for women called What the Women Saw, talking about the women that were around the ministry and life of Jesus and what they saw and what they experienced and how they experienced the goodness and fullness of God. And so we want you to be in a group. So if this feels like a commercial, it really is. But wait. There's more, right? Um, just set it and forget it. Some of you don't even get that reference. But anyway, we want you to be in a group this semester. We believe that groups are important. And here's the reason why. As we continue in this series that we've been in over the last few weeks, we recognize that relationships are vital in this season for a lot of reasons. They're always vital. Relationships are always important. But over the last six or seven months, we have gotten very comfortable being more and more isolated. Through a lot of good wisdom early on, it was like, hey, you got to make sure that you separate and you got to social distance. And there's wisdom in some of that early on in this process as we were trying to determine, like, how do we stop the spread? How do we flatten the curve? And so we heard that. And I told you from the very beginning, I hate the phrase social distance because I think maybe we call it physical distance, but we need social togetherness. We need relationship. We need one another. And so I'm fine with some physical distancing if that's what we need to maintain for a season, but socially we need to be connected. Here's what's happened in this current generation. We have become consumed by our social media channels that are not actually that social, if we're being honest. They're really just an outlet or a platform for people to engage one another, kind of, because we're not actually having conversations most of the time. We're just screaming at another group of people or, or them screaming at us. And so very rarely are we using those platforms to be social. Now, it's awesome if you share pictures of your kids on the first day of school. We do that. It's awesome if you're using it to connect to family members that live far away. We use it for that purpose as well. But so often, social media has not been that social. And in a season where we were socially distant, people got relationally disconnected. And so what's happened is over the last few months, there's been a ton of surveys, there's been a ton of things to try to evaluate what is the overall health of individuals, not physically. We're not talking about viruses and disease. What is the overall health of individuals related to their mental health, related to their emotional health, related to their relational health? We've seen the dependence on substances and substance abuse go through the roof. We've seen physical abuse go through the roof in certain aspects, in certain places within our country and around the world. We, we've seen all kinds of different things happen. There was a recent survey that I read where they were asked, how many of you feel lonely? How many of you feel lonely again? Maybe you've experienced it before. And over 40% of the respondents said they feel lonely. And, and it's obvious why they might feel lonely. We are physically distant from one another. And Corey and I have been talking about this over the last few weeks, even as we have been, you know, quarantining and, and kind of moving away from groups of people because of some exposure we experienced a couple weeks ago. And so it's like, okay, even as we pulled back, even as we moved away from one another, I think one of the issues in our world is like, if, if you've been to a store recently and somebody gets really close to you or somebody bumps into you, you're like, oh, I don't, I don't, did I catch it right there? I don't know what happened, you know? And that was funny. You could have laughed right there. That was really... That was funnier than you gave it credit for. But anyway, here's, I'll just, I'll just say, like, if they get close or, you know, like, if you're in any store and anybody sneezes or coughs, you're like, oh my God, they just spread it. That's what happened, right? No, what happens is we're no longer used to physical proximity. We're no longer used to physical closeness 
And so it makes us a little bit uncomfortable when someone walks up. And maybe at church you see somebody, they come in for a high five or they come in for a hug and then we remember, oh, we can't really do that or maybe we're not supposed to do that. And, And now we've created physical distance and we've created some things, which again, there's some wisdom in certain aspects of that, but what it's created is it's created some separateness that I think we were not created for. The, the first issue with humanity was not sin. You know that, right? The first obstacle for humanity was solitude. God created Adam, and then he said, it is not good for man to be alone. The first issue for humanity was not sin, it was solitude. And so God said, I will create for him a helper. I will create for him a helpmate, someone to do life with. We were intended to do life in community. Life together really is better because it's the way that God created us. And over the last few weeks, what we've been looking at is we've been looking at this intentional invitation into life together. It's not just, hey, you're my neighbor. It's, won't you be my neighbor? No matter where you live, no matter how close you are to me, no matter if we share any other common context of life and our spheres interact with one another, we want to invite you into our lives, whether we look the same, sound the same, act the same, believe the same, we invite you in to do life with us because God commanded us through the words of Jesus Christ to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, to love our neighbor as ourselves. You cannot separate these two ideas. And then the second week, we looked at the Old Testament commandment that says you can't covet, you can't desire, you can't lust after your neighbor's donkey or servants or possessions or house. And we said that if we're not careful, our desires will draw us into the trap of comparison, and comparison is the enemy to contentment. We cannot be content in our own lives if we are continually comparing our lives to those of other people. And then Pastor Matt last week continued in the series as he looked to the story of the Good Samaritan, where Jesus was really answering a question from a religious leader. And as he answered that question, he said, the the question was, who is my neighbor? Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan. Pastor Matt challenged us to be agents of healing. As we come across people who are in need, we, we stoop down, we get down into the mess with them, and we administer healing even if it costs us something to serve other people because that's what good neighboring looks like. And so today, I want to conclude this series by going to the Proverbs. So if you've got a Bible, you can go to Proverbs 27. We're going to be there in just a minute, but I want you to go ahead and kind of mark it in your Bible or on the app that you're going to use. But before we jump into this text of Proverbs 27, I want us to look at relationships. I want us to look at what it is that we were created for. So I've, I've asked the guys to put a, a graphic up here, and, and I'm, I'm thankful Garrett created a great illustration of what this looks like. So I just have me, okay? I just have a picture of me. I'm pretty handsome, if I'm being honest. I really think I, I'm going to get two of those for my desk. But So I just have me, right? You could interchange this. This could be you. It doesn't have to be me. It could definitely be you. And we're doing life. We're just kind of hanging out somewhere in the universe, If you live in Canton or Woodstock or Holly Springs, or we have people that that tune in online every week from Florida and from Texas, and we have people from Virginia. So we have all these people that, that are tuning. Wherever you're doing life, this is you. 
And in the early 1990s, there was a study done by uh, a sociologist, psychologist uh, named Robin Dunbar. And so what I'm about to kind of give to you is, has been categorized as Dunbar's Law. It was written about a little bit in Malcolm Gladwell's book, The Tipping Point. Uh, it's been written in other books. It's been studied. It, it's in peer reviews. People have come at it from different angles to change some of this. But Robin Dunbar created this study that said, hey, there is a limit to the number of people that you can actually do life with well. Okay, so if you're an introvert, you would go, I would totally agree with that, right? If you're an extrovert, you're like, no, there's not. There's no limit. All of us together, let's do this right now. Everybody right now, just share your favorite story of life. And, and so introverts and extroverts view the world differently, but this is larger than introverts and extroverts. And we're going to talk about how it plays in a second. Every single individual has a, a close circle, right? They have that inner circle of about five people, plus or minus five people. So don't get hung up on the specific numbers. And these are your loved ones. So think about your family, your family of origin. Think about the the closest circle of people and relationships that you do life with. Plus or minus five people, you've got a circle of loved ones. They don't have to be related to you, but they definitely can be. Your absolute best friend in the entire world, if they don't share your last name, probably resides in this circle. You are doing life with this group of people on a pretty regular basis. Now, depending on your stage of life, it could be that now you're separated by distance. They live in their own house. They live in a different place in the country. But these are the people that you are talking to most of the time. Then if you zoom out a little bit to the next circle, this is plus or minus 15. These are good friends. Now, they may be family, but they're good friends. Now, the 15 includes the five. So you've really got just another 10 or so people that you're doing life with. Now, here's what you need to know as we continue to zoom out. You spend about 60% of your time in these two circles. So you spend about 40% of your time in the first circle of these loved ones, about 20 more percent of your time in the second circle of these plus or minus 15 people. So about 60% of your time is filled and spent in the closest 15 people to you. So for years, John Maxwell has said, you show me the five closest people to you and I'll show you your future because we're spending tons of time right here. But you can zoom out further than this. If you go uh, a bigger than 15, you get into a circle of 50. These are just friends. These are people that you could call up. You could go hang out with. You see them at the ball fields, perhaps. Like, you actually are friends. It's not just acquaintances. That's a much larger pool. Like, these are the people, like, they may not be on your favorites list in your cell phone, but they're on, like, the next list. If you were to scroll through your phone in any given 30-day period of time, you are spending time and talking to this group of people. You zoom out a little bit farther, and this is where Dunbar really focused in. This is plus or minus 150 people. These are meaningful contacts. And Dunbar said that this is pretty much the limit of the number of people you can actually do life with on any level. Now, again, some peer reviews have taken that to 230. Some have taken it to 290. In the day of social media, you can have hundreds and hundreds, maybe even thousands of followers. But really, if you think about where you have the capacity to spend time, spend relationship, invest in people, this is about the limit, according to Dunbar, of what we have the ability to do. 150 plus or minus, which includes all of these groups. So if you've got 65, you've really only got about 85 more people that you can possibly do life with. And then from here, it starts to get very big. There's another circle of about plus or minus 500. These are just acquaintances. These are people that you pass every now and then, but you don't really know them. You just kind of know their name, maybe, right? You might have been calling them the wrong name for six months, but they didn't want to correct you because now it's awkward. And so this is just the acquaintances, plus or minus 500. And then there is the much larger sphere 
of recognizable people, plus or minus 1,500, you may not really even know these people. You just know they've, you've seen their face before. It's like, oh, I pass that guy at Duncan every Thursday. I, I, that, I mean, that lady is the one who cleans our office every other Friday night when I work late. Like, I just know who she is, but I don't really know her. You can't really do meaningful relationship in the outside two circles. So all of our meaningful relationships happen from 150 in. Now, again, if you're an extrovert, uh, you pretty much think, I can do life with all of these people, right? But what is true, whether you want to admit it or not, is that you never really go deep with many of them. You stay at a pretty thin capacity relationally because if you're going to give yourself to more people, you can't give much of yourself to anyone. Introverts, on the other hand, say, 1,500 overwhelms me. 500 makes me sweat. 150, I don't like that many people. I'm going to really focus on the inner core, but somewhere in this circle right here is my sweet spot. I've got three people that know me well, and I hate everyone else. Not really. Some of you introverts are like, no, that's unfair. I mean, it's true, but that's still unfair. Don't say that out loud, right? And so introverts really focus their attention to the core. Extroverts are like, let's scatter all the love that we can. Women tend to have much larger, big circles, right? Men are fine walking up and going, I don't know you. I don't really care. We're good. And you just keep moving, right? And so when, if I was to overgeneralize, there's a lot of ways you could live in these circles. But you and I were meant for relationships. We were meant for community. And I think if you look at these circles, what you would find is that for all of us, we were meant to have relationship that adds value to our lives and that we add value to others. And so you're already there in Proverbs 27. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to read two specific Proverbs today before we close in prayer. This is what it says in Proverbs 27 verse 10. It says, do not forsake your friend or a friend of your family and do not go to your relative's house when disaster strikes you. Better a neighbor nearby than a relative far away. Better a neighbor nearby than a relative far away. I want to focus on the beginning and the ending of this specific proverb today. Do not forsake your friend or a friend of your family and when disaster strikes you, better a neighbor nearby than a relative far away. So do not forsake your friends. Do not forsake your friends, it's easier to forsake the people in the outer circles because it's like we don't really feel responsible for them. But those are just recognizable faces. Those are just acquaintances. But when I get into that 150 and I get into that 50 and I get into that 15 and I get into that five, we are called to do life with these people in meaningful ways. We can't forsake them. We're called to serve them and to love them Well, that's why we say that life together is better because it is enriching to your experience here on earth. And I know that it's easy for us when we hear something like this to immediately point the finger at someone else. It's like, well, they were mean to me. Well, like they they don't they don't ever call me. They they never text me. They never visit. They they never wave. They never say hello when we're at work or we're at church or they never Look at the words here. This is in the New King James translation of Proverbs 18.24, which the second half is the most famous. But Proverbs 18.24, the first half says, a man who has friends must himself be friendly. You kind of get out of relationships what you put into relationships. 
Like, if you want friends, you've got to be a good friend. You can't just be like, man, I wish they would do this. Well, then do that. There's so much about the five love languages, which, again, have been written about and written about and written about and talked about and studied about. But the idea of the five love languages is that every human being has a specific way that they receive love. And what often happens is that we give love in the way that we desire to receive love. Right? So, Pastor Trevor, run here. I, wasn't gonna, I didn't tell him I was going to do this. Run, 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 run. That's really slow. Run faster, faster, faster. Right? So, if I was trying to say to Trevor, man, I love you. I appreciate you. I affirm you. If words of affirmation are not his love language, but he really is like a gifts guy, and he really, really, really just experiences love when somebody gives him a gift, he doesn't care how much I'd be like, man, you're killing it right now. You're doing awesome. I'm so thankful for you. I mean, that, that probably, you know, oh, thanks, I appreciate it. But for him, if I go, hey, here's a brand new iPhone. No, that's my iPhone. I'm not giving it to you. But here, if I were to say to him, like, here's a gift, then he receives that love. But if gifts don't do anything for me, but I know that it does something for him, I, I give that to him, right? And then he's got to figure out how do I give that back in friendships, in relationships, in our marriages, in our, in, with our spouse, like we're constantly trying to determine, and, and you can really have pieces of all five. You, you probably do. Gifts and quality time and acts of service. And I'm trying to figure out how do I give love? How do I give relationally? How do I give in friendship? I can't just stand here and be like, man, Pastor Trevor never, ever, ever says anything nice about me. Never. My feelings are hurt, right? But how often Am I giving words of affirmation? How often am I? A man who has friends must himself first be friendly. The idea here is we have to recognize relationally that we're on the hook. Like we got to lead the way. We've got to model what it is we're looking for in relationships, not in a manipulative way. I'm not saying if you want your spouse to say something nice about you, that you should say something nice about them just so you go, yeah, well, check that. I did that, and they didn't do anything in return. Okay, that was wasted effort. I'm done. Like, no, I'm constantly going to be enriching this relationship and trying to fill their love tank, right, so that they receive love, they receive affection, they receive enrichment in this relationship so that they see this as a fulfilling relationship. Right. Friendship, coworkers, whatever it looks like, so that now they go, hey, I want to, I want to invest back in this relationship because, man, they're, they're constantly filling me up, constantly affirming, constantly doing things to help, constantly, you know, congratulating and, and affirming. I want to find ways to be friendly. I, I don't just get friends and then become friendly any more than I just get money and become generous. The reality is it just makes you more of who you already are. And so we have to lead the way relationally. So let's go back and look at the very last part of that Proverb 27 that we read just a few minutes ago. Proverbs 27:10. The last part said this, "And when disaster strikes you, better a neighbor nearby than a relative far away." Family's awesome. I've got an incredible family, and family is awesome. But over the last few weeks, we started back to school. Our kids did. They they went back face-to-face -face school, and let me just pause to say, man, our school system is doing an amazing job. Yeah. They're doing an amazing job. And, and I don't know how, how much you're tracking with kind of the news nationally and all of those things. But, you know, early on, our school system was taking a lot of lumps nationally because we had reopened. But let me just say to you, like, our administration, the faculty, the teachers, they're doing an awesome job. And I know our superintendent recently wrote in an email. He said, you know, we're trying to build the airplane, like, while we're flying it. 
And I think they've done an amazing job building the airplane, and I think they've done a great job. And so our kids, our teachers that we interact with, the administration at our schools, like they've done an awesome job caring for, teaching our children online even the last few weeks as we've been home, and then in person as we were in person the first few weeks. Like they've done an amazing job just constantly communicating and enriching our children, and I'm thankful for that. But the very first day, the very first week of school, they, they send home this information that says, hey, this is like the gateway information. Like, to get started in the school year, we need to gather some information about you. And so we've got, we've got four kids in school. Like, it takes a little while to fill out the paperwork, okay? <laughs> and so, like, they're like, hey, you know, tell us about each child, which I have to ask Corey about because I forget. Like, who's allergic to penicillin? Which one is it? Okay, just don't give any of them penicillin. I, I don't know. I'm not really sure. Let's just be safe. Let's just be careful. Like, I can't remember. And so we fill out all their information, whatever. And then they ask us, you know, the million-dollar question. If school is to let out early and you can't get there, how do you want your kids to go home? Well, I have nominated some of you. You didn't know it, but the school's going to call you, and I need you to pick my kids up if I can't get there, okay? Because we don't have family close. We don't have family close. Family's awesome. But if, if the school's got to shut down, it did a couple weeks ago. There was just like a water main break, and they had to close down the high school that, that Cooper goes to. And so they, they shut it down, and it's like, we weren't there yet, but if we had already been there and I couldn't get back there, like, I can't call my dad in Ohio and be like, hey, can you come pick Cooper up? Because he's just going to be hanging out at school until tomorrow, right? I can't call my mother-in-law in Tennessee and be like, how quick can you get here? Well, I need you to go get her. So what do we do? Better a neighbor nearby than a relative far away. And some of you know what that feels like. Because maybe you have amazing family, maybe you don't. But you know in a time of crisis, you know when you need something, there's no way that family could do what you need family to do in that moment. So who do you turn to? You gotta find a neighbor. And and I believe that there are people that you might have never enriched that relationship. You may never have invested in that relationship. You may not even know their name. And if you called on them, especially if they go to this church, because we have some of the most amazing people on God's earth in our church. Like if you just called them out of the blue, be like, you don't know me, but I go to your church and I need your help. They would show up. I know it. But I would say to you, like, why not just neighbor early? Just neighbor in advance. Just like, just decide like, hey, here's my phone number. If you ever need me, call me. Like, hey, you know, listen, if you ever, if you ever get in a tight spot, like I, I live right down the street, I go to your church, I live around the corner, I could go pick your kids up if you need them and get them home. Like, just go ahead and have those conversations. Just neighbor well early. When disaster strikes, heaven forbid, none of us want it. When it's big or it's little and you need somebody, family's awesome. Unless family can't be there. And so then who is family? Here's what I would contend. Friends can feel like family. Friends can feel like family. If we'll let it. If we'll open our circle up a little bit and say, hey, I need you. You need me, right? We're a happy family. Okay, some of you didn't get that either. That's okay. That's all right, man. I was going there, and I really felt like you were going to be with me. We're going to sing and have church, but nobody sang, so it's okay, right? You can open your circle, and you can say, hey, will you you just kind of be family? Over 40% said, hey, I'm lonely. I'm lonely right now. I don't have anybody. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know who I'd call. I don't know who I would do life with. I don't, I don't know who I'd reach out to. I just, I don't know. Open up your circle. 
and invite people in. Won't you be my neighbor? I know there's risk in that. The fear is that you ask somebody and they say no. You say, hey, will you, will you be my neighbor? And they're like, no. I'm just telling you, that's, that's not going to happen here. That's not going to happen here. Uh, you know, we've been watching the news and we've seen the hurricanes that have already landed and those that are coming in the Gulf. And My parents lived in Louisiana in 2005 when Hurricane Katrina hit. And I remember in the days and weeks leading up, they had never really experienced a hurricane. They were living there in Louisiana, and so all the, the news were like, hey, it's, it's coming. Like, it's coming right for Baton Rouge at that point, and that's where they lived, and so we were afraid. And they eventually turned and went to New Orleans, and we, we saw the devastation that, that took place there with Hurricane Katrina. And they were leading the, the denomination of churches there in Louisiana, and thousands of members, and, and so they, a lot of them scattered. Some of them never returned. But I remember in the days ahead, like, it was like, okay, what are we going to do? Like, we're, we're not even sure. We don't know how bad the devastation is going to be. And, and so the storm makes land, and the, the waters come, the storms come, and the surge comes, and the eye passes through, and then, and then they're just left kind of looking around, and they're going, oh, man, some of our churches will never exist again in its present location because it's, it's completely underwater and trees down and houses just picked up and just thrown, and you, you don't know where they're at anymore, and, and people that were lost, and, and they didn't know. And, and within just a few hours, all of a sudden, an 18-wheeler pulled up. I mean, within like two hours of the storm, like it stopped raining, 18-wheeler, and then another one. And then another one pulled up in their parking lot. And it's like, I don't even know. It was an organization called Operation Compassion, which we're connected to. And we're already supporting for the storm recovery that's happening now through our relationship with the Church of God. It's one of the amazing benefits of being a part of a denomination like we are. And, and they're already on the ground there. They already have trucks there with food and generators and, and supplies and water and clothing and medical supplies. And they've got people on the ground. And so, and so these, these 18-wheelers just started showing up. And so my dad was looking around. He's like, I don't even, like, how did you get here? Like, it's a long drive from Tennessee. How did you get here? And there's a man that used to lead this organization. He passed away earlier this year. His name's David Lorenzi. And David said to him, he said, here's what you didn't know. We didn't know where the storm was going to hit, but we kind of knew the general area. And so what we did is we just got right on the outskirts of where we thought the path would go, and we just waited. We just waited. And as soon as it was safe for us to travel, we came. I mean, family's awesome. You, you, you want family. But if you don't have family, who do you have? Well, hopefully you have a neighbor that's just close enough that when the storm hits, when, when, when you need them the most, they've just been waiting and they're ready to respond right now. You're like, how, how, did, you even, how, how did you even know? Like, how did you even, how'd you even get here? Somebody called. Our, our G group's been praying for you. Somebody submitted your name for prayer to our elders. We just, we just want to be here. We don't have to say anything. We don't have to do anything. We're just going to minister the gift of presence. We're just going to be present here. We're just, we're just in the room. We're just kind of hanging out in the corner. If you need us, we're here. If you don't, we're here. I want you to throw that picture back up, guys. I can't promise you that you're going to love every person that you ever interact with in life. I can actually promise you the opposite. There's some of those people you're just not going to like. And that's okay, because some of those people don't like you. That's okay. 
And I don't know what kind of investment in relationship you're going to get from recognizable people. And I don't know how enriched your life is going to be through acquaintances. And I don't know how much love you're going to experience from meaningful contacts, though probably some. But the reason that today we launch into three months of G groups is not because your best friend is going to be in that group this semester, but they might be. It's not because every person that shows up at that house on Friday night or jumps into that Zoom call on Wednesday night or comes for financial peace on Wednesday night or shows up in a youth G group on Wednesday night or goes to a thing. It's not that every one of those people are neighbors that feel like family. But some of them might. And when disaster strikes, I would rather say, you know what? I have invested and poured in and been there for some people. And like I've tried to serve and love well and hold accountable. And, and I've tried to do everything that I could to be a good friend, to be a good neighbor. Because that's what God's called me to. God has commanded me to love God with all of my heart, which I'm attempting to do. And to love my neighbor as myself. So like if you're my neighbor, I love you. And I want to invest in you and I want to be there for you and I want to serve you and I want to care for you. And so just know, like, I'm here for you. But listen, when disaster strikes, can you be there for me too? Can you just, can you just show up? Can you just pick up the phone? Can you take the text and respond? Can you, can you pick my kids up? Can you, I hate to even ask. Could you just, could you just bring some dinner? Like, I can't, I can't even make food. To, can you just bring some dinner? Can you just come sit and cry with me? Can you sit here while I cry and then make me laugh? Over 40% say, I just, I just feel lonely. I just feel lonely. Here's what I know about pushes you to stay lonely. Loneliness pushes you towards isolation further and further and further. And what I would say is let's combat loneliness by jumping in and just go after people and be like, listen, I, I don't know. You, you may have all the friends you need, but do you need one more? I, I don't have all that I need. I, I need. I need one more. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if friends can become good friends, but like, hey, if you're looking for a good friend, like I'd, I'd love to be a candidate. And like, hey, we, you know, we've been, we've been friends for a while. We've been, we've been good friends for a little while, and I'm so thankful for that. But just know like, hey, I love you. I love you. Maybe that feels awkward. <laughs> Maybe that makes you uncomfortable, but just know, like, I'm in. To me, this is a picture of the church. It's a picture of the church. There's a ton of people you don't know. You just recognize them. They just, oh, yeah, we go to the same church. We just, I mean, I see their sticker on their car like it's on my car. I don't even know who they are. They must go to a different service. It's just, I just recognize. They're just acquaintances. I'm not even sure. No, they sit in my service. When we air high five, I air high five. No, we, we serve on the same team. Giving of ourselves, using our passions and abilities to serve other people so that lost people can become found. And hurt people can become healed. No, we serve together. No, we're, we're in a group together. Every other Friday night, we do life together. 
And sometimes it's awkward. We don't agree about everything. But they're in my circle. And I'm in theirs. It is not good for man to be alone. The first obstacle for humanity was not sin. It was solitude. Jesus took care of sin. Solitude. Let's work together. Let's combat solitude. I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. Nobody's looking around. Just a moment between you and God. Whether you're watching online today or you're here in the room, if you would say, hey, to me, for me, I know I need a relationship with Jesus Christ. Before I can think about other relationships, I need a relationship with Jesus Christ today. I need him to forgive my sins and lead and guide my life from this moment forward. I know that is the next step I have to take, and I want to do it today. If that's you, would you just lift your hand right where you're at? I want to pray for you. If you're not watching online, I'd love for you just to respond there in the chat. Let us know how we can follow up and pray with you. I'm making a decision to follow Jesus today. I'm asking to forgive my sins and lead my life. Anyone else? Now, if you would say, nobody's looking around, I promise you. I'm asking everybody in the room, everybody online, just kind of a personal moment of reflection between you and God. If you would say, hey, today I'm, I'm lonely and I just need God to help me. If that's you, would you just lift your hand? Thank you so much. Anybody else? If you're watching online, type that in the chat. Let those that are watching with you respond. Let one of our pastors respond and pray for you today. Thank you so much for your just transparency to respond today. God, I love you and I thank you. That you told us to love you with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength. But you wouldn't let us get off the hook relationally And you also commanded us to love our neighbors. And so God, today I pray for those who are asking you to help them to love you and to receive your love first. They're seeking salvation. They're seeking forgiveness of sins. And so God, we pray that you would do that now. We believe that you can. And so God, we thank you as you respond now to forgive sins and be the Lord of their life. God, I pray now for every person who's responded to say, I'm lonely God, would you right now help them to feel your presence before they can feel anyone else's, before they can be encouraged and strengthened relationally here on earth. God, would they just feel your presence? God, you're close to the brokenhearted, you tell us. You never leave us nor forsake us. You promise us. And so God, I ask you today to just lean in to those people who have responded. And God, now I pray for our church that you would help us to be relationally strong. God, that you would help us to lean in to circles and to move one ring closer, two rings closer, to get away from being acquaintances and move into friendship and to close friendship and to loved ones, God, with those that we're doing life with here at Generations Church. God, groups is one channel, one avenue to do that. And so, God, I pray that this semester would be the best semester we've ever had in G groups. I know sometimes there's obstacles. I know sometimes there's, there's issues with signing up and we're not sure. And, but God, I pray that we would move past all of that and we would go right now, today, get on the website, sign up for a group, start meeting in a group. God, I pray that you would use groups to fill voids in our lives. God, we thank you for that. I believe you desire us to do life together. And so God, let us live that out well. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Thanks again for listening. If today's message was an encouragement to you, we invite you to share it with your friends and family. Maybe subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It just helps us spread the word about what God's doing here at Generations Church. For more information about the church, visit us at g.church. Have a great day, and God bless.